One's like, I'm saying no to the the, the after hour conversation here. <laughs> Another episode of Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka the Raj Nation. I am the Idea Lemon co founder and your show's co host. I am alongside my co founder and co host, Martin McGovern, aka Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs artists and musicians about the stories the journeys the struggles but most importantly the questions the questions that help us all better understand who we are what we're doing and how we can do it better in this episode we sit down with ben brooks the founder and ceo of pilot and executive coaching platform and our conversation with ben is around one of the hardest words in the english language no no Specifically, we asked the question, when do you say no? Before we dive into that conversation, I'd like to extend an invitation for you to join our dope tribe of almost 2,000 people who never miss this show and get it in their inbox every single week. All you have to do to do that is go to idealemon.com and enter your email address and you'll be a member of our tribe. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Ben Brooks asking the question, when do you say no? Let's listen in. Uh, it's super on my mind because I'm very time poor right now. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about because I'm so hardwired to be a yes that it's actually an unnatural thing for me to say no and uh, something I'm not necessarily very good at. And so it's something I'm kind of like working through and dealing with and figuring out kind of all at the same time. And I'm just like super excited to kind of dive into that so I can better use my time, my money, my energy, etc. What are some of the things right now that you're saying yes to that you don't necessarily want to be saying yes to? Uh, well, a great one is, is, is 8 a.m. workouts. I like nothing less than working out in the mornings. I love to work out, but I'm all, like afternoon, evening kind of workout guy, but it just doesn't work with my schedule. And so my trainer, I've worked with a couple times a week and it's at 8 a.m. And it means I get up at like 6.45 to meditate and do my normal morning stuff and whatever else. And uh, But I've been saying yes, and I've been doing it for like two months now. And it's actually been like fantastic because it's like I, I thought it'd be like this horrible thing. And I'm actually like strangely almost, almost enjoying it. <laughs> so okay so that's an instance then of of yes being a good thing as opposed to outright saying no what about some of these things that are going on that are taking up your time your money or your energy where you're like Ugh, this, this pains me that i keep saying yes and i shouldn't be saying yes but i am well it's always that fourth glass of rosé you know no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, I mean, that's definitely one of those, it's kind of like no when to say when, um, you know, fortunately living in New York, you know, we don't drive, so, um, that makes it a little easier, but, uh, but yeah, it, you know, I think sometimes getting involved in projects or events or different things like that, I've just had to be, uh, you know, more discerning about how I can, 
you know, spend my time, you know, people or, or people want to, you know, get involved in some sort of relationship and advising one another and things. And again, like if it's something I really need, but I find like eight times out of 10 is something that like it's to their benefit and not really mine. So I'm having to say no to more of those things, which I think a couple years ago I loved doing. I had a lot more free time. I got to learn a lot, but I have to be situationally aware to realize where the heck I am right now versus where I was and make sure, you know, uh, when I'm like not getting, you know, critical things on my to-do list done despite maybe a you know 12 plus hour day, um, you know, I've just got to say no to the non-critical. Yeah. One of the things we've talked about before, um, Martin, I think you'll agree with this, is sometimes like you have to go through periods of just saying yes to everything so that you mm-hmm. know what to say no to. Yep. Um, Martin, that was my segue of telling you to speak. I, well, yeah, I was, I was trying to unmute. Uh, Martin, Martin's on his fourth glass, you know. Um. <laughs> uh, fourth fourth uh, cup of coffee for sure. It's been a coffee-heavy morning, but um, that'll that'll hit me in about two hours. Uh, okay. But yeah, it, it is, it's interesting. I was talking to someone the other day, and it was someone who I'd met, you know, years back at a startup weekend. <clears throat> and we were saying how, you know, when you first – especially in the tech industry, when you first get into the tech industry, it's exciting, right? You want to meet every person. You want to make a name for yourself. You want to be seen. You want to be at every event. And, you know, we you, you kind of get to a point where you, you do too much of it and you burn out. And, and then years later, you kind of find, you kind of find your, your place in, in the ecosystem, I guess. And, and he was just kind of saying how he looks back and, you know, and he was seeing someone and, and they were like, oh, my gosh, I'm really interested in the tech industry. I'm going to all these events. Have you ever heard of Built-in Brews? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was just like one of those things where, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to sort of watch the waves uh, throughout the years and, and kind of what you're saying uh, about knowing where you're at today versus where you like what what exactly is the goal right what what, what exactly yeah. is it that we're trying to get from all of the things that we're doing all the things we're saying yes to and if it's actually helping towards that goal then you know it's worthwhile but for the most part i think a lot of us are just on autopilot just like oh yeah that thing oh i was told to do this or yeah okay and then suddenly it's overcommit overcommit central yeah and i i feel like i'm such a problem solver that I look at my life and my schedule in particular is like a game of Tetris, right? Like I'm fitting in all the little blocks and like, like I'm jamming it in and I'm like, oh yeah, success. I fit all the shit in. And it's, you know, like that's like, you know, and then I like resent and am miserable in some like death march of a day that I set up for myself. And, and I don't like, and one of the things actually I, I see a psychologist every therapist and he, you know, he like, you know, is always like asking me my feelings and I'm always like, fuck you. And, you know, like, and, you know, um, no, he's, he's good. It's like, it's good, have. but I'm, you know, my, 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 I like definitely my, my bias is like from a thinking point of view and I've really benefited from kind of getting clearer into my feelings. And he'll ask a very simple question that kind of like surprises me that I haven't considered it, but he's like, do you want to do that? Right. Like, look, I'll go out of like, like expectation or I should or that would be smart or, you know, da, 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 or so and so this and that. Like, and I have like a million like explanations as, as to why it's a yes. But sometimes the reason that it's a no 
is I just simply answer that question to myself, like, do I want to? And of course, there's like an integrity thing and my commitments and those sort of things. But it's like it's like before committing, asking myself that question. There are sometimes there are things that like on autopilot, just like you said, Martin, like I would just be like, of course, I go to this thing and do this. And I'm like, actually, like that thing sucks. Like everyone has negative energy or like <laughs> that's like in some weird part of town I don't like going to or, you know, I've got rather whatever. I'd rather, you know, watch like, you know, Narcos for the fourth time on Netflix or whatever, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, so, so I think that like, that's the, that's the thing that's like actually helped me recently. It's just like, it's, it's like surprisingly, like, I can't believe that I've gotten this far in life and I haven't really considered like, do I want to? And yeah. when I do, it's like sometimes very surprising what the answer is. Yeah. And there's this, there's a book that I just read called smarter, fast, smarter, faster, better. I almost said faster. That's weird. Uh, smarter, <laughs> faster, better. And uh, one of the things that they were saying in the book when it comes to productivity and when it comes to agreeing to things or not agreeing to things, um, part of it is just knowing that you're in control of saying mm. yes to things. So instead of just um, getting an email saying, hey, will you be at this meeting? And you just immediately reply yes, um, starting with a different type of sentence saying, um, I'm, I can be there, but I will have to leave 20 minutes in. And that just puts the control in your in, in your pow in your hands so that you're not saying like oh I'm committing to what you want me to do you're saying I'm committing to the part that I'm able to do and so it, it's kind of like a small shift in the mindset but it's kind of taking it from a I'm choosing to do this I'm not reacting mm. to this totally I think I, I like what you said Ben about the you your therapist asked you do you want to do this because I think that actually we can unpack a whole lot there around the feeling of have to versus want to. And, I'm, you know, we all have situations all the time where we feel like we have to do something. But many times we're like fabricating the severity of that that situation or we're we're building up this fantasy around how much we really do have to do something because we don't take that time to step back to say, do I want to do this? Or even say, do I really have to do this? Or am I just telling myself I have to do this? Did we have to do this podcast today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, you know, and, and it's kind of like playing it all the way through. Okay, you know, you have to. Well, who says? And if you didn't do it, what would happen? Right. Like, like, I'll, you know, I'll get I'll get tickets for some event, like nominal tickets for some sort of like meetup thing or whatever. And I'll be like slammed with some deadline. And then I'll think I got to because the Tetris game, I've got to I just have to because I got the tickets and, you know, and then, you know, and then I'll go to this thing from seven to ten and I'll work on the thing from ten to midnight or whatever. And like and, and I'm just like dreading it. And I'm like, wait, like. I'm the one, I, no one asked me to even go to this thing. Like, I just signed up for it. I paid for the tickets. They don't care if I show up or not. Like, you know, but I just get so in that automatic. And so I think, yeah, you know, like questioning and poking and that, like, where is, the, where is the should or the have to come from? And in reality, probably most of the time, it's actually, you don't really have to. You Like, you think you have to, but in reality, if you actually, you know, stress tested that, like, that's bullshit. Yeah, and you're hitting on sunk costs, too, because that's a, that's a, big reason of why people follow through on things that they don't actually have to do they're like well i already spent the money so i should go it's like well you already spent the money and you don't want to be there so now you're going to punish yourself twice versus just just losing the money you know yeah double taxation your time and your money right no taxation without representation what what 
<laughs> but then oh, you... your conscience on this podcast. <laughs> but if you're talking representation, that means I have to go to the event. <laughs> exactly. Well, so on top of that as well is, so I, I think what enforces more of the have to is the technology that surrounds our decision making. Um, like a specific example I'm thinking of is if you ever look at your phone calendar or like your Google calendar, well, not, not so much with Google, but definitely on my iPhone, when I get sent a Facebook event that I haven't even said yes to, it shows up automatically on my iPhone calendar. And there are a lot of cases where I don't even remember seeing that that event was ever even sent to me because it's sent to, you know, five, like that person's sent it to every one of their friends. So that puts you in a mindset of, wait, like you almost have to like make that decision right there. Wait, am I going to this? Am I not? What is this thing? Should I be going to this? And it starts to create this whole just like mental complication of something that shouldn't even be in your frame of reference, but the technology determined that you need to be paying attention to it. Yeah, like you have to opt out rather rather than opt in because it's like basically got you, you know, you're like, oh, I guess I'm not going to this even though it's on my calendar. Yeah, like, and, and I think I've even noticed there have been times, I don't know if it's always or and I just haven't noticed or maybe it's happening some of the times where I say no, but it still remains on the calendar mm -hmm. because they're like, but wait, this is happening. <laughs> you should know about it. <laughs> but don't you want to have free, FOMO? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> free vodka with some douchebags on a roof. Like, you know, that's um, an amazing event uh, description right there. <laughs> that's like an entire. Yeah, that's like a Twitter byline of like disastrous sponsored parties. Right. <laughs> That'll be my like, birthday. That'll be and, and, my birthday. <laughs> well, and I think Martin, like you mentioned, like about like email, like I am uh, I like nothing like I, I, I loathe email. I think the email is, you know, it's it's based off the Pony Express, right? Which is like this ancient, you know, thing. It's technologically, it's about 40 years old. I don't know a single person who's ever claimed that email helped them be, helped them be successful. I know plenty of people who have like their careers are screwed up because of something they said or something that was found or something that was leaked or drama on email. And what I find is email is all about other people getting what they need. It's all inbound. Like you're just playing defense in your mm. inbox. You know, you're not playing offense. And so I try to spend as little time on email as possible. And if email is like, it's just like, it's all about triaging. Like, is this going to like my assistant to set up a call? Am I just like deleting this? Like, can I unsubscribe? But I, I just am amazed at how many like business owners I talk to and entrepreneurs and creative people, et cetera. And they're like behind their inbox all the time. And then they're wondering why they're not, you know, kind of achieving the things that they want to say yes to. Because they're like all they're tied up in this defensive game in their inbox of trying to you know play whack a mole with all the all the shit that's creeping onto them. Yeah, well, and can you kind of talk more about because I I think what you've 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 hinted at and I, I'm going to guess you've done pretty well um, in your own life is being able to compartmentalize certain actions and even delegate certain actions. Like you mentioned, you have an assistant, um, which I'm sure helps a ton in just not having to take the burden of every single action that needs to be taken. Yeah. The, it, I read a book. So Mary Kay, who did the, uh, the makeup company, right? She's that company has created more female millionaires than any other company in the world. And my mom sold Mary Kay when I was a little, I was born in Texas in Austin and, you know, um, sold it, you know, for a couple of years when I was a, a young one. And I read, um, one of Mary Kay's books called miracles happen. And she has a quote in there. She said, don't spend dollar time on penny tasks. 
And that was in the early 80s um, for working women. She was very adamant that they needed to have a housekeeper because you'd have a woman that was trying to you know, be a mom and raise a family and cook and then have a career. And then she's also scrubbing a toilet, you know. And um, and so I, you know, I've kind of like I read that book a number of years ago and it really kind of stuck with me. And so I just, you know, like I look at like, you know, my God-given talents, which there aren't that many. There's a few things that I'm really good at. And if it's anything else, in particular things that like don't energize me, like, like I don't enjoy, um, I generally try to like either not do them or have someone else do them. Like scheduling, for instance, like I, I, I like I, I want to like cut myself every time I have to schedule something. <laughs> um, I don't mind like having a calendar and showing up like that's like fine. But it's like the process of the back and forth or a doodle or a this or a that. I'm like, you know, I just like, you know, it's a, so I think that's a big part of like creating the systems and structures also like to make sure that it's it's done in a way that like I don't drop the ball. But, the, you know, things that I want to say yes to, I can, because sometimes I've definitely had that in the past where um, I might my dropping the ball ratio was much higher than I wanted it to be because I didn't have the right kind of systems in place to, to handle inbound. I think. So you talk, yeah, systems and structure. I, I think that's one of like the major keystones of this whole thing. Because I think the more systems and structure that you have in place, the easier it becomes to say no to things. Uh, and not just easier, but the more clarity you have around what you want to and need to say no to. Um, like I, I can think of every time in my life where I have had like things regimented very well. I've been very good with my decision making. And, and like, I, I think my probably the best example of this would have been back in college. My freshman year, I ran, uh, I ran track and I was on like a, like an athlete's an NCAA athlete's schedule is very strict. Mm -hmm. like you, you lift, then you like eat, then you have practice, you go to class, then you, like there might be a team meeting and you do homework. And in, you know, it's, it's some, whatever the order of operations is for that, it's different for every school, but like, that's what your life revolves around. And you know, like I only have two hours to get homework done. I'm going to get homework done versus if you, it's like, yeah, I've got class and then I can just hang out all day. Then you put off doing homework forever. And then it's someone's like, Hey, do you want to come to this? You're like, Oh, okay, cool. I can do that. And like, yeah, you'll have a ton of fun. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I just remember I was the most, and I, I was a good student all four years, but that the one year I ran track, I was the most like strict about everything going on. And it was very easy for me to say, no, I can't go to that because I was like, you know, I have, I have to get up at 6 a.m. tomorrow to lift or like, no, I can't go to that party because I don't want to puke at practice tomorrow. Totally. And I think that it's, it's the uh, behavioral economics, you know, they talk about choice architecture, like yeah. how you structure choices. And I think if you're organized and you have systems, you see all in, you see kind of the relative trade-offs of doing something. Whereas if you look at something, it's like, oh, hey, like, do you want to go get like bomb tonight? Like that in and of itself, like you compare that against like, I don't know, nothing. And it sounds kind of like fun, right? But you compare it against, you know, practice at 6 a.m. or getting the grades you need to you know, maintain your scholarship or whatever else you got to do. Um, and I think when you have, you know, the right systems to know, 
your, you know, your goal tracking and your progression against that and your to-do lists and your project management and all those sort of things, you get a much better sense of kind of your carrying capacity and it gives you an informed place to decide yes or no from rather than just like, you know, you're looking at on a, on a one-off basis, you can compare it to the whole picture and that makes a huge, huge difference in, you know, supporting, you know, because they call it like decision support in consulting and it's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, you think of someone, you know, in an F-35, like a Joint Strike Fighter, the aircraft, like, you, you know, you put a bunch of instruments and you put a bunch of measurement in front of people that then the pilot can decide what to do with the aircraft or what to do with a missile or what to do with whatever, because they have a lot of information to support them rather than kind of going blind. And I think that like, you know, you think a lot of that, like the same way, kind of how do you create your own mission control? So you're clear about like, can you actually take it on or not? And what would the consequences be if you did or didn't? The behavior economics thing is really an interesting uh, point to this. Uh, are, are you familiar with Dan Ariely's work? I don't know if I am. But I'm not good with nouns, so I might be, and I just don't attribute it to him, you know? (laughs) He is a professor at Duke, and he's authored a whole book around um, behavior economics. I think he even has a podcast now. And what he talks about, uh, Martin and I, a couple years ago, both took a few lessons on, like, the free Coursera course on behavior economics. And on the flip side of trying to get someone to say yes, as opposed to having someone tell you no. What he talked about was this idea of choice theory is that there's always one more choice than what's presented to you, and that is the option to do nothing. Totally. So it could be like, uh, hey, do you want to go to get sushi tonight, or do you want to go and get pizza tonight? There's a third hidden option that is don't do anything at all. And our brains are wired towards the path of least resistance. So when communicating with someone else, as Ariely, I'm, you know, I'm greatly paraphrasing his teachings, but what he basically conveys is that in trying to persuade someone else, you want to get as close to the path of least resistance as possible. So that could be, just take it in like a business sense. If you're asking for someone's time, give them specific times and dates instead of saying, when are you free to meet? Because now they have to go open their calendar. Now they have to see when are all the possible times they have to meet. So that's as that's very far away from the path of least resistance versus are you free Friday at 11 a.m.? That's, that's a yes or a no. And that, that's closer to the path of least resistance. That's closer to having to do nothing on the receiving end. Yeah, and I think it's it's structuring. You know, yeah, it's the, the there's a I think the most read Harvard Business Review article ever is um, this thing about you know the, whose mo- whose back is the monkey on? And it's like from like the 80s or the 70s, and it's just this idea of like if you you know it's like you delegate to employees like I'd like to talk to you about this slide deck you made, and they said okay, great, let me know when you're free. You know, like it's this like like you're like you just asked to have a meeting, and then they're throwing back on you. You've got a schedule versus kind of making the thing that you want to have done the easy thing. Yeah. You know. And, and, and kind of owning that and taking the responsibility. And like, whether it's like, I've done like, it was in a management consulting work around like safety or work around whatever, you'd often find that for employees, companies sometimes structure it in a way that the thing that they want them to do the most is the hardest thing to do. 
you know, versus, you know, versus like even like like 401ks, you know, like, you know, that's a major issue. People aren't saving enough for retirement, like having it like be an opt out instead of an opt in. Like if you have to opt in, you have to log into some portal and it's probably 50 million steps and a bunch of papers to sign versus like auto enroll people, put them in an index fund and then they have to say, I, I want out. You know, right? Um, and and that like the, the, all of those sort of things. And I think to your point, you can do that in your day to day life, where you can just like you know, we have people say we should get lunch instead of your response being like, yeah, it's like <laughs> how's how's Thursday? You know, like this isn't like like prayer or hope. You know, this is like let's move it forward. You know? Unless you don't want to get lunch, and then you just say yeah. <laughs> yeah, once my stomach ulcer is gone, you know. <laughs> well, and I and I think what we're talking about here is we're talking about a few different perspectives as well. So it's like, how do you get other people to do what you want to do? How do you avoid doing things you don't want to do? And then how do you actually accomplish what your goals are personally? And I think your point about offense and defense is really on point here, even though I know nothing about sports. Um, <laughs> um, I but, think you know what offense and defense is at the yeah, very I, I, I know enough about that, right? I know what the definitions are. Um, and so, um, but it is, it's kind of like using these techniques, using this behavioral um, knowledge that we have to then go accomplish what we want to accomplish. And I think it's, it's really interesting as we sort of say like, okay, so I know I want to accomplish this goal. Maybe it's running every day or getting up at 8 a.m. to work out, right? And so if you have your 8 a.m. workout scheduled every day, uh, it makes it easier to tell other people to, you know, get lost if they want to go out the night before or something like that because, you know, you have a reason. And I think a lot of this stuff is like putting putting a future uh, deadline so that you have a reason to do something today, whether positive or whatever. And so I think um, a lot of this is kind of being mindful and being aware of what's coming next so that you can make better decisions in the moment. Yeah, and the upside of that is that your present is a function of the future into which you're living. People think it's their past that dictates how their present moment is. But if you have a future that's like playing offense, that's exciting, like you're shifting careers, you're starting a business, you're publishing a book, you're losing weight, you're being in love, you're in connection with your, you know, your spirituality, whatever it may be, like that, that even if you haven't achieved it yet, if you're at least focused on that, it actually gives you a lot of benefit in the moment of that anticipation. It's like your vacation starts the day you book the plane ticket, not the day you get on the plane. And so like that, you know, so having that future focus is key. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that, you know, their, their future is some, some, you know, regurgitation of their past um, rather than like stopping and being self-aware enough and, and, and steady enough to say like, what do I really want? You know, there's a great book called um, how, will I Me- how Will You Measure Your Life? And I read that and it was like this really kind of thing, like thing at the end of your life, what's a good life to you? Um, and considering that question now, not on your deathbed, you know? Mm-hmm. 525,600 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know the exact numbers. Otherwise, I would have I would have joined in on that chorus. <laughs> this also plays into... So, like, Martin, you talked about goal setting. Um, and, Ben, you talked about, like, what is the future you're writing. I think, too, part of knowing, like, what to say yes or what to say no to is around not just like what's the hard goal, but like what are you trying to build towards? Um, so for instance, uh, in about a in a few weeks, I'm going to be starting a like I'm doing like mentor office hours at an incubator in Chicago called 2112 that works uh, with that incubates companies in the music and creative industries. And 
you know, mentor office hours are a pro bono thing. And I was telling my dad about it and he was like, why are you like giving up your time for free like that? And I was like, well, this particular scenario, like mentor office hours are generally not a paid thing. It's people doing it on their goodwill. But more than that, I know I want to do more with the 2112 incubator in the future. And this is my first step towards that because that's a community I know I want and need to be part of moving forward. So if I've got to do some free shit for a while, I'm okay with that. Versus there are there have been times where I have said yes to do something for free, where I there have been there was really no reason to do it for free because I didn't see I, at the time I wasn't thinking this, but looking back, like there was nothing future I was going to do with that group or that entity. I was just like they were like, can you do this? And I said, yeah, I can, like because physically I can, not because I necessarily you know wanted to or because I wanted to do it for free, but they were, they just asked like, Hey, can you do this? And I said, yeah. So I think that's a big thing is in terms of that, like writing the future and setting the goals. It's like, where do you see this headed? And if you've got to eat some shit along the way, that's fine. As long as you know, it's something you want to continue to be involved in, in the future. And you see a possibility of, of different types of gains moving forward. Totally. No, I mean, like, I think, you know, like, is, is this connected to something that's like related to my life? You know? Um, is this thoughtful? Is this strategic? You know, I find people doing all sorts of things out of like some common lore that it's like a good thing or it's an expectation or isn't that what everyone does or whatever, um, you know, and versus like pulling back and saying like, yeah, like what, is, what does this have to do with kind of like anything? And, you know, frankly, you know, people are not very strategic about their lives, you know, be it their, even their career. I mean, people, there's careers that are a hot mess, you know, their, their lives, even if they're successful, it's like kind of sometimes by luck or inertia or all sorts of things. But to really say, like the mentor thing at 2112, you say, gosh, like this is a group I want to be, have a deeper relationship with. This makes complete sense to spend my time, even if I'm not being paid, uh, because this is like something I want to be like have inroads in versus like, you know, it's, it's just like an employer-employee relationship. Like other parties, their job is to get their needs met. Like that's their role, right? Our job is to get our needs met. And it's a negotiation kind of boundary setting between the two. So like, of course, the people that want you to do stuff, like it's their job to like, have you speak. It's their job to have you do something, whatever they are asking you to do. Like they're trying to get their needs met. Right. And there's like nothing wrong with that of them making the ask. We just have to make sure that we are owning our role. I have to own my role of making sure I'm getting my needs met, which may involve saying no to what their needs are. Yeah. And I think something that helps kind of put everything in everything that we're talking about is putting it into perspective. Uh, I really love those videos online that sort of like they put all the M&Ms or all the pennies on the table, right? And then they just like start subtracting from like, it's like this is how many, uh, each each M&M is a year of your life, right? And then we subtract this many for college, this many for high school, this many for this. And like it just slowly whittles down to like you have this much time left to get the things that you want to get done done, right? And there's a website called 80,000 Hours. Um, and what mm. they say is, you have 80,000 hours in your career, make the right choices. And I think that just like, <laughs> putting it in those perspectives um, really helps reframe it because, you know, when you're just blindly going through the day to day, it sort of feels infinite almost. It's like, oh, yeah, I can take an hour here. I can do a thing here, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. But, you know, if there's a finite amount of time to do what you want to do, then it really helps make better choices in the moment. There's also um, 
so we've talked before on this podcast about the blog waitbutwhy.com. And Martin, as you were talking about that, this made me think of one of their posts, which was around like how much time do you have essentially? And what I think the theme of it was around like how much time do you have and who are you spending with who are you spending it with? And what I what I was really interesting about that was he basically broke down like how much time he spent, like say, like with his family members up to a certain point in his life, and then now how much time has he spent with them on average since he's you know been an adult? And what I found really interesting because I was relating it to my own life, he was basically like, think about like how many days in a year you spend with a family member. So I was thinking about like my, like my brother, him and I haven't lived in the same state in uh, not, ten years now, um, and he's got a family now and everything. And I see him probably between 10 to 15 days a year now, um, for the last couple of years. And so then, you know, like the blog was like, all right, now start multiplying that out over the number of years you have remaining. And then if you like factor in, like you may move States and be even further away apart. So I was like, all right, if I see my brother, let's say 10 days a year right now, and I'm 27. So 10 times, you know, let's just say like, what am I going to live to like 80 or something like that? And he's a few years old. So let's, let's say I have like 50 50 more years. years. Yeah. Yeah, Let's say 50 more years. So that's 500 days I have left in my life to spend with my brother. And when I, when I saw it like that, I was like, holy crap, that's, I mean, it's a lot, but it's really not a whole lot compared to when you, especially when you compare it to, we grew up in the same house and spent 365 days a year together for, you know, 18 years and that made me, I was like, man, if I have 500 days left, then I should probably make more of an effort to make those days that we spend together count. Totally. No, and I think that, 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 that you know, intentionality, you know, because if you look at, like, I, you know, I've, uh, oftentimes in organizations, companies, like, budgets are a reflection of, like, values, but also, like, how executives spend their time. But, like, if you look at our calendars, I've had... I've had people I've worked with, I have them doing an analysis of their calendar um, to understand where they're spending their time. And, you know, and I said, like, that's, you know, that's ultimately you're voting with your feet about what you're saying is important and what you're valuing. And it may be that, like, 10 days a year isn't enough for you and your brother, you know. Um, uh, you know there's certainly the, the efficacy of each day and making sure you, you know, get enough you know, juice out of the squeeze for each of those. But maybe you just need, like, more, you know. Um, Or people spend all this time doing, you know, like, you know, people will be like, oh, like, can you help me move or something? I'm thinking like, no, I'll pay for the movers, you know, like, I I don't want to spend my life moving you out of an apartment. Like, I'd rather, you know, let's go, you know, let's go on a bike ride instead, (laughs) you know, like, um, like those that just the mindset around, you know, that your your time is pretty scarce. I think as you get more successful and you get older, you start to realize that it's really time is that 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 you know commodity and it's one of the only fair things in the world frankly that no matter what your economic or educational strata we all have 24 hours in a day right and you know one of the things i've said before that i think is interesting is if we spent money the way we spent like time and money are the only two things we can spend i think basically right yep. but if we spent money the way we spent time we'd be broke within like 15 minutes of walking outside because we'd see a billboard and say, yes, I will buy that. And we'd, you know, there's so many advertisements you see in, a, you know, in 10, 15 minutes of just like walking the streets. But that's how we treat our time. Someone says, hey, do you want to do this? We say, yes. Hey, come with, come to, come with me to this. Okay, I'll do that. Hey, can I get 10 minutes of your time? Yes, you can. 
But money we're protective of. Like if someone says, hey, can I borrow 50 bucks? We're like, no. wait, why do you want, why do you want to borrow 50 bucks? Am I, getting that, am I getting that money back or are you taking it from me? But with time, it's just like, oh, okay. But it really, like, you know, to your point, it's, it, it really is, it is that important and it should be treated like, you know, everyone has an equal amount of it, but we should be placing more of an emphasis on it. Yeah, and I, I love the, uh, the meme online that says, you have the same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly actually ben as you said as you made your comment about 20 that's exactly what i thought of martin was the beyonce analogy yeah it's just how do you spend those hours it's it's how you spend those hours dictates everything yeah and it's it's amazing you know obviously attention is kind of the the new currency especially in like digital marketing and apps and everything else and so like everyone you know companies and you know celebrities everyone's vying to kind of get our attention and our time and one of the things I find is sometimes when I'm when I'm wasting it, it's an avoidance strategy. You know, like I'm being a real amateur. You know, I've got something I got to do that I'm confronted with, and I will tell you what I've never enjoyed Instagram more in that moment. You know, <laughs> I will I will go till my thumb is numb. Like literally, it gets like numb after like 45 minutes. That's when I know I've had enough. You know, because I've been like you know my index fingers. I've just been double tapping and scrolling and dropping emojis and you know in stalking people, whatever. You know, I go nuts. And then it's like, oh shit! It's always when you know the the, the trade off. My choice architecture is you know in that moment when I'm being an amateur is like just avoid. You know, like like yeah. be busy doing something else so I can be off the hook doing the thing I need to do. Yeah, it's a huge. Uh, a lot of the social media stuff is a huge avoidance. And it really, and I, I agree that like uh, Instagram, not so much. I don't like, I post to it, but I don't really look at Instagram that much. But like Facebook, I'll do that a lot when there's something that I need to get done. But I'm like, it's like, there, it's like getting over the inertia of actually starting. Yep. I will just be like, okay, let me, let me just check this one thing. And then you end up in like, like eight, 18 click holes later. It's like two hours have gone by. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. I'll, again, close out, I'll close out Facebook. Jeez. jeez. Gonna... <laughs> but again, that goes back to like, why does that happen? Well, in those moments or in those days, there's less structure happening in that day too. Yeah. Because if you know you only have one and a half, two hours to get something done, you will not waste that time. But if your day is pretty free flowing, you're going to, you know, you're going to procrastinate the things you don't necessarily want to get started on. Completely, yeah. And it's like, yeah. If I'm if I'm time scarce, I'm like, I may see a bunch of Facebook alerts on uh, you know, on the app or something, whatever. But it's like, I'll, you know, I will get to that later. You know. And one thing I was going to add is I've had some experience saying no this year, and I had a very surprising result. So I want to kind of put like a, a stick, like the warning label. You know, they have like on cigarettes or whatever. You know, it's like you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, may cause cancer. It's like may cause cancer. Like, um, like saying no, like may cause sadness. And yes. what I found is like I was talking about this and I said, you know, people talk about FOMO and I've been I've, and I've been an absolute beast this year. I've never worked so hard in my life and I've worked since I was 12 years old. And I, you know, so saying I've never worked so hard, is it's a big thing. And what I found is like I said, I don't have FOMO. I have just straight up mo, you know, like I'm actually missing out, you know, it's not, <laughs> you know, because I'm saying no. 
And it's like, there's no fear. It's actually happening, you know, because I didn't go to that party or that trip or that thing or that whatever. And so what I was surprised with is even though I was saying yes to like what was most important to me, what I valued, like my dreams, like the thing I was actually really super surprised by and kind of unequipped to deal with at first was I was actually, I got pretty sad about it. Um, I, like I'm in a much better place now, but I was, but I actually experienced the loss of actually missing out on those things. Um, and I had to really presence myself to the fact that, you know, although I said no to those, like what I was saying yes to, but like, you know, I, the first thing it was just like, I just had this, you know, sting of kind of sadness. And that kind of comes back to, yeah. And that, I think that definitely happens, but then it, it's a matter of to what we talked about before, which is like the perspective and what kind of future you're trying to write for yourself, because then it's a trade-off. It's like, okay, I'll miss these things now so that I can have the things I want to have X number of months or years down the road and I'll be happier then. I know I have to make some sacrifices now though. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast where it's, you know, if you are working on things that you want to be working on, you're you're almost not missing out. I think the hardest yeah. thing is when you're working on when you're working on stuff that you don't want to be working on, right? And that's what we were saying, like the fear of just getting lost in busy work, where it's like, oh, I'm working on these things, I'm spending all this time, but I'm also not doing the things that I wish I were doing, right? And so, yeah, I, that is really interesting though, because um, you know, I think as this has been a really big work year for me as well, and I've kind of skipped a lot of things and people are always saying like oh you should travel more it's like i don't know about that like, that's not really my thing and um but there are like certain like certain things that i just really will go out of my way to be at and i'm kind of curious like so the question here is when do you say no right and we've talked all about like you know setting things up of of the situations but like when are when are the times that you guys actually find are the most important? Like, what what would you say are the key things that you say no to, aside from all the busy work and aside from all those things? Like, what are the biggest no's that you guys have said? For me, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to say no to answering this question. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> For me, I think... Do you mean like specific instances, Martin, or do you mean just like in general, what are the types of things I'm saying no to? Well, it's, it's kind of like the conversations we've had about, you know, that book, The One Thing, right? What's the one thing that makes everything else easier? What's the one no that makes everything else possible? Got it. Um, typically for me, I and I've talked about this a little bit on previous podcasts, but I personally place such a high value on being able to practice yoga and meditate every day that a lot of times my decision-making is determined around the whatever will enable me to do yoga and meditate the next day. So like, I stay out late much less these days because I want to get up and go to yoga the next day. And, or, you know, like if I'm having drinks, I'm pretty good at cutting myself off after a few because I want to be able to not be not feel like such shit that I can't get up and go to yoga the next day. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of, I know that's at least one instance where I tend to revolve my decision-making around and say like, no, I'm going to go home now, or no, I'm done having more drinks for the night and I'm going to drink water. 
And I think for me, for me, like uh, this is actually a question I was going to p- ask you guys, and also I'll share kind of my experience. I would love to your thoughts. But the thing that's probably been the hardest to say no to, but it's probably had the biggest if it's like the one thing, you know, that kind of X factor, um, is probably been saying no to certain relationships or associations um, that you know people that you know um, I had a certain kind of relationship with, a, you know, friendship, romance, business, whatever. Um, that, you know, just are not in a place to be a positive impact on me or not aligned with what I'm up to, you know, and I've, and I've had to, you know, it's not always like a, it's not always an on off switch. Sometimes it's more of a dimmer, you know, um, it's not like they're gone from my life or something, but you know, but I've, but I've had to say no, cause I mean, I, I, there's, you know, a couple people I know that I knew in my corporate days and now I'm an entrepreneur and, um, every time we get together, they would be like, well, don't you worry about like running out of money and being homeless or something, you know, like they would just like get in my head. Like, I was like, of course I worry about that. You know, like, like this is like the last thing I need to be thinking about though. Like, you know, they would just help like catastrophize versus, you know, sitting down with someone that's like, Hey, like what would be the next great thing? Or what would you, you know, like it was totally a different space or energy. And so that's like saying no to certain relationships and friendships and things um, has been the hardest, but I think is, is created, you know, it's created time, energy, the right behaviors, the right mindset, et cetera. Yeah, I really like that. And I I think I'm kind of a combination of both your answers. Like um, there was, you know, I've gone through a couple periods of my life of like quitting jobs, ending relationships, things like that. Uh, We've talked on previous podcasts about how I cut out drinking. But I also think one of the biggest things that I've done um, and said no to, which has, um, I don't know, a lot of people criticize me for, but I've stopped watching the news and I've stopped paying Mm -hmm. attention to any of that kind of stuff um, because really what we're trying to come down to here is like being, you know, on the offense, like controlling your mindset, controlling your emotions, controlling what you're doing every day, actually accomplishing the things that you're setting. And I just noticed that whenever like there's the news, whenever the news is on in the morning, my day starts from a like fear perspective or from kind of like a negativity perspective or from like the world is horrible because it's so overly skewed like we the way that we look at the world you know if the ratio of the things we're hearing are more negatives than positives when the reality of the world is that it's pretty even um you know we just get that skew in our head and it's really i've seen over the years sort of changed my perspective on the way that um i've approached just the day which then makes everything else easier all the other yeses and nos yeah i think i I once said this you know someone was talking about they kind of were wasting a lot of time on like it was like news or tv or this or that you know and i was just kind of like you know are you into something or are you up to something right because <laughs> you know you you can be into like a lot of news or watching a ton of shows or whatever else but you know but are you up to something because you're that that's you plugging into someone else's thing right uh versus your own you're you know doing your own meditation or, or yoga work or doing your own you know built business building work or whatever your own art or performance or whatever it may be um versus getting entangled in someone else's thing yeah, and that's I mean, we've what Martin and I have kind of phrased that at in the past is participation versus creation. Are you participating in it or are you creating within it? Yep. Yep. I think so. On the relationship side of thing, definitely, I feel you're talking about. Um, you know, a few my my friend group has changed dramatically over the last five years, basically like since college ended. Um, a lot of which because like I saw. Like a, a lot of my college friends, not that we're not friends anymore. It's just that like we'd rarely hang out because after college, like we just we started to have different interests and wanted to do different things with our lives, and it didn't really match up. Um, and it's like uh, there was a period like when it, like the splits first started to happen, just naturally. I was like, oh, like what's wrong? Like, like have I done something wrong? Like, why? 
like why don't like why aren't they calling me to hang out but then like why aren't i calling them to hang out and then i think you just you start to see well i think people are in your life at different times for different for certain reasons and there are people who are best friends with the person since they were like three years old and like i've got a couple of those from like who are family friends but as far as like oh yeah like we met at school and like we've been best friends and roommates and we still live together since like you know four years old that i I simply don't have that and i look at people who have that and i'm like that's that's very remarkable that that you were able to know each other so young grow up and still have like similar um goals similar feelings all that stuff at this age but that's just not something that i i don't think i really have um because I think just the things I've been interested in and the things that I've done have just like bobbed and weaved so much that it's forced me to have to bring new people into my life. And as a result, some people fall off too. Yeah. And if you're creating, I mean, depending on, you know, people's career paths, their personalized, everything, you're kind of zigging and zagging in more ways than ever. I mean, rather than the, you know, whatever the, the choice that was set up earlier, those like a, you know, sushi or Mexican food or whatever, like, you know, now because of technology and information, we can see that there's like gazillion choices, you know? And so, so, you know, people are pursuing all sorts of non-linear zigzag sort of lives. And so I think more and more, I, a lot of people, I, and my friends, we talk about this a lot and people I, in my life is that, you know, you, and there is again, sadness with that, but people coming kind of in and out of lives and sometimes they come back or it's just a looser relationship or whatever else. But, um, but if you're a creator, um, you're going to go through many, many, many different, you know, intense phases of your life um, and have different needs and, and desires and tastes, you know? I think also what what happens with that is you start to whether act or whether consciously or not you start to almost like define your time and where you want to spend your time versus what conversations do I want to be having versus what conversations am I okay being left out of. Yep. So for instance like over the last couple of years like I used to be so into sports and I used to know like every player's batting average and everything, you know, everything going on with every team. And I still like and follow sports. It's just not like a religious following anymore. And quite honestly, it's like because of that, I can't keep up with a lot of the super intense sports conversations anymore. And I would rather have a conversation about like the human condition, about like struggles, about business, those kinds of things, about music. And knowing I'd rather have those conversations, I'm okay being left out of the conversations where I know I can't really even like contribute a whole lot anymore. Totally, totally. And you know, the other thing that's interesting about being kind of like left out or the mo situation is in some regards, your status goes up when you're not there. You know, everyone's like worried about being there, but you're like the mystery guy. You're like, like, oh, where the, where the fuck is Ben? Like, what is it? You know, you know, like, and people like, you know, and you could be on your couch, like giving zero Fs and like, you know, doing whatever, you know, but like, but nonetheless, like, you know, there is something about, you know, my, I have a friend who talks about not being kind of like overexposed, you know, don't be at like everything, you know, um, his, his, uh, his advice to me is a few years older than me. He always says, he says, uh, show up late and leave early, you know, um, <laughs> I you know, but, it all the time. 
Totally. Yeah. So, so it's like, so yeah, so that, you know, as, as you know, you get into some of these different groups and communities, you know, um, it doesn't mean you're not relevant in the other ones, but, you know, but you have different things to offer and, and, uh, you need to get energized by different things and, and your needs change. And I think, again, as you, as we get older, it's, it you become a lot more self-aware about, um, what actually kind of energizes and rejuvenates you, um, versus what depletes you. With that, we need to wrap up before we do. Uh, ben, let our listeners know about Pilot, uh, what you're working on with that, and where they can find you. Awesome. So I'm the founder and CEO of a cool tech startup called Pilot. Our website is pilot, P-I-L-O-T dot coach, C-O-A-C-H. And we help uh, both companies and consumers powerfully manage their careers. So we're fusing content and process together, giving people the you know, the equivalency of an executive coach through technology at an affordable price in an on-demand way. So uh, doing all sorts of cool things uh, to help people uh, say yes and play offense uh, to the right things in their life. So check out uh, pilot.coach. And I'm on most social platforms as Ben Brooks NY for New York, Ben, B-E-N-B-R-O-O-K-S NY. Um, Instagram and Snapchat and all those sort of things. And LinkedIn would love to connect with uh, anyone in this ecosystem and beehive community uh, so please reach out. I uh, would love to expand my network. Awesome. All right. So to wrap up, we will go one by one, starting with Martin, closing with Ben, uh, giving our answer based on our discussion today. Uh, Martin, when do you say no? So I think the answer to when do you say no is you start saying no when the decisions you're making aren't serving your goals. And then how do you say no? I really like that idea of playing offense and offense instead of defense and getting out of the reactionary mindset uh, that a lot of us live in from day, on a day-to-day because it's just easier to be reactionary. Someone says, hey, this thing, and you're like, okay. Uh, it's much harder to plan for the next day and plan for the next month and plan for the next year. And if you're able to play more offense than defense on a daily basis, I think it becomes easier to say no and it also becomes easier to accomplish what you want to accomplish my answer for when do you say no hopefully this will sound coherent as i word jumble it out um i think it's you have to look at whatever's being presented to you and say does this serve me well in the present moment and if not does it enable me to do something later on that I want to do? And if the answer is yes, then then say yes to it. But if the answer is no, then say no. I hope that made sense. Uh, ben. Add, really quick to add on. To yeah. that, do something today that will make future you happier. That's a, that's a great summation. Uh, ben, when do you say no? I think saying say no, you know, of course, you know, balancing with being responsible, but saying no when I don't want to. Um, or saying no when something doesn't make me better, whether that makes me smarter or energizes me or gives me joy or ease uh, or health or power, whatever it may be. If something is detracting from me, I definitely say no. Um, and I think um, you know, saying no when things are not in the context of the life that you want and spending the precious time that you have on this planet. I love it. Ben Brooks. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here, gents. Had a good time. It's a lot of fun. We'll talk soon. Cheers. That wrapped up our conversation with Ben Brooks. Ben, thank you so much for choosing to say yes and joining us for that podcast episode. 
Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes and subscribing to the show. So if you've been listening to this show for a while and you're not subscribed and you haven't left a rating and review, it only takes a minute, so please do that because that helps more people find the show and therefore more people get to discover their inner awesome. For full references, resources, and topics discussed in this episode, you can find the complete show notes listed at idealemon.com. That ties a bow on this one. Thank you again to Ben Brooks of Pilot for joining us as our guest. For Martin McGovern, I am Rajiv Nathan. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. Welcome to the party. We bout to get it on. Leave your worries at the door. We bout to get gone. Bacardi Limon in the bone. Give me some dome. Carry on smoking the strong. Give me Patron in the zone. Shorty that I'm dancing up on the snake charmer. She made my black snake moan. I gotta have her. See her, then I grab her. She turned me to a body snatcher. Dude thought he had her. At the party where she left with the dime at the party after. The party don't start to the after party. When your life is a party, you don't have to party. So knowing when I'm waking, I'm taking a couple shots My life's a celebration Here's the toast to party people in the nation